Peace be upon you. The challenge for most people who fall into idol worship is that they are completely oblivious to the fact that they are doing this. If they're asked if they are committing idol worship, they will vehemently deny it. God gives us this example in Surah 29, verse 61 through 63. It says, if you ask them who created the heavens and the earth and put the sun and the moon in your service, they will say, God. Why then did they deviate? God is the one who increases the provision for whomever he chooses from among his creatures and withholds it. God is fully aware of all things. If you ask them, who sends down from the sky water to revive dead land? They will say, God. Say, praise be to God. Most of them do not understand that despite their lips telling the, to the, the answer to this response that God is the one who's doing this, their hearts have deviated. In Surah 43, verse 8 and 9, God is talking about those who were annihilated. And it says, if you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they would say, the Almighty, the Omniscient has created them. Look at the terms that they're using. They're not just saying God. They're acknowledging the Almighty, the Omniscient, yet God annihilated these people for their disbelief, for their idol worship. God tells us that even in the hereafter, these individuals will deny that they were ever idol worshippers. It reads in Surah 6, verse 22 through 23, it says, On that day when we summon them all, we will ask the idol worshippers, Where are the idols you set up? Their disastrous response will be, By God, our Lord, we never were idol worshippers. That up until the hereafter, they're still going to deny the fact that they're worshipping idols. Now, an interesting observation is that the question that God asked these people to expose their idol worship was who created? And this signifies that the act of creation and acknowledging who's the one who created all this, that there's two components to this. There's what our lips say, and then there's what our actions do. These people regarding their lip service acknowledge that God is the only creator, but something in their actions showed otherwise. This signifies to us that if we think that some other entity independent of God can create something, that it's actually a sign of idol worship. And God gives us such a beautiful parable to contemplate, to show that God alone is the only one who creates. And this is in Surah 22, verse 73. It reads, O people, here is a parable that you must ponder carefully. The idols you set up beside God can never create a fly, even if they banded together to do so. Furthermore, if the fly steals anything from them, can they recover it? Weak is the pursuer and the pursued. This verse informs us that if all the greatest minds in the world, humans and jinns, all band together and were given all the resources they could muster, that no matter how hard they tried, no matter how much effort they put in, they would never be capable of creating a single fly. Not only that, but even if they were able to create a fly, if the fly happened to consume anything, one morsel of food, they would be absolutely incapable of returning that morsel of food back to its original state. And this is the reason it says weak is the pursuer and the pursued, that not only is God the only one who creates? But even the creations we think we're doing, God is still the one in control, that we have a zero control over these creations. 
So this is what it means when we say that God is the creator, that God alone is the only one who can create. Now, God poses a similar challenge in regards to the Quran. In Surah 17, verse 88, it says, Say, if all the humans and all the jinns banded together in order to produce a Quran like this, they can never produce anything like it, no matter how much assistance they lent one another. If you ask the average Muslim, do you think someone could take up God on such a challenge and be able to create a Quran like the one we have today? They will unequivocally reject such a possibility. Yet this depends on what they mean by Quran. The word Quran often gets translated as recitation, but in the Arabic Quran, the word Quran refers specifically to reciting to something that is written. But the Quran also references itself by other names. For instance, in addition to the Quran, it is called Al-Furqan, the statute book. In Surah 25 verse 1, it says, Most blessed is the one who revealed the statute book, Al-Furqan, to his servants so he can serve as a warner to the whole world. It is referenced as Zikr, the reminder. In Surah 15 verse 9, it says, Absolutely we have revealed the reminder, Al-Zikr, and absolutely we will preserve it. This verse tells us that God is going to guarantee to preserve this Quran. It's referenced as Al-Kitab, the book, the scripture. In Surah 3 verse 3 it says, He sent down to you the scripture truthfully confirming all previous scriptures. And he sent down the Torah and the gospel. It's referenced, in addition to these other names, it's referenced as Al-Hikmah, the wisdom, Al-Huda, the guidance. In Surah 31 verse 2 it reads, These constitute proofs of the book, the wisdom, Al-Hikmah. In Surah 2 verse 1 to 85 it reads, Ramadan is the month during which the Quran was revealed, providing guidance for the people, clear proofs, the guidance, and the statute book. These are the different names that God is referencing this Quran under. So if we accept that no one will ever be able to meet God's challenge to produce a Quran like this, that means that they will never produce an Al-Furqan, a book of law, a statute book, like the one we have. They will never produce a reminder, a dhikr, like the one we have. That they will never produce a kitab, a scripture, like that of the Quran. And there will never be another book of hikmah, wisdom, or huda, guidance, like that of the Quran. And there sure will never be another book that should ever be held in a such high regard as that of the Quran alone. So again, if we ask the average Muslim, do they believe that any group of humans or jinns, if they all banded together, would be able to ever produce a Quran like this, al-Furqan like this, a dhikr like this, a kitab like this, a hikmah like this, a huda like this, that the unanimous answer should be absolutely no. Yet there's one other name that God uses to refer to this Quran, and that name is Al-Hadith. In Surah 39, verse 23, it says, God is revealed herein the best Hadith, a book that is consistent and points out both ways to heaven and hell. So let's go back to this average Muslim. Let's ask them, how do they regard the Hadith in comparison to that of the Quran? And most people, most of them, will say that the Hadith the Sahih Hadith are just below the Quran. And some go so far to say that they're both equal. 
that both are revelations from God. Irrespective of what they claim, it is more important what they do. No different than when the people were asked, who created the heavens and the earth, despite what their lips said, what their actions dictated what they really believed. If we say that the Quran is above the Hadith, then the word of God should always be above the word of the Hadith. Yet is this what we see happening by the Muslim ulama? Every time there is a dispute between God's words in the Quran and the contradictions that are formed by the Hadith, you see the Muslim masses reject the Quran and either say that the verse is abrogated or that the Hadith is an addendum to the Quran and thus just making the Quran secondary to the Hadith. This shows that their allegiance firstly is to the Hadith and secondly is to the Quran. This additionally shows that the people who uphold these Hadith believe that there could be a Hadith beside the Quran. And this is taking God up on that challenge that no matter if all the humans and all the jinns banded together that they would never be able to produce a Quran like this. And since one of the names of the Quran is Al-Hadith, to think that you can create Hadith that are like the Quran, that are to be upheld as if they are the Quran, to be used as religious guidance beside that of the Quran, is saying that these people believe that there is another creator next to God. God tells us in the Quran, in Surah 6 verse 93, it says, Who is more evil than one who fabricates lies and attributes them to God, or says, I have received divine inspiration when no such inspiration was given to him, or says, I can write the same as God's revelations. If only you could see the transgressors at the time of death, the angels will extend their hands to them saying, let go of your souls. Today you have incurred a shameful retribution for saying about God other than the truth and for being too arrogant to accept his revelations. So even though their lips may say that the Hadith are below the Quran, their actions say otherwise. For instance, the punishment for adultery for someone who is married according to the Quran is 100 lashes. It reads in Surah 24 verse 2, it says, The adulteress and the adulterer, you shall whip each of them a hundred lashes. Do not be swayed by pity from carrying out God's law. If you truly believe in God in the last day, and let a group of believers witness their penalty. So God in the Quran is clearly saying that the punishment for the married adulteress is 100 lashes. But what does the Hadith have to say about this matter? If you consult the Sahih Hadith attributed to the Prophet, you see that according to the Hadith, the punishment for the married adulteress is stoning to death. Now, needless to say, this is a direct contradiction to the Quran, but it's absolutely absurd to think that the Prophet would be upholding some laws that contradict the Quran. So now people have a choice. You can either uphold the words of God something that you know for a fact came 100% from the Prophet or the words of man falsely attributed to God. Which do you choose? Because you can't have both. Some people say that they, they try to compromise and say that it's either or. That the minimum threshold is set by the Quran of 100 lashes. 
But based on the hadith of the Prophet, you can choose to stone. But the irony of this is that the Quran tells us that in the case of a slave who is married, if that person commits adultery, their punishment is half of that of a free woman. How are you supposed to do half a stoning? You realize pretty quickly that you can't have it both ways. We either have to follow the Quran alone, the direct words of God given to the, uh, the messenger, or we can choose to follow some other source, some other concoction created by men attributed to the prophet falsely. We have another example. The Quran is very clear regarding the dietary prohibitions and what is specifically prohibited for the upholders of the Quran. When the prophet was asked regarding the dietary prohibitions, the response was given to him in Surah 6 verse 145. It reads, say, I do not find in the revelations given to me any food that is prohibited for any eater except one, carrion, two, running blood, three, the meat of pigs for it is contaminated, and four, the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to other than God. If one is forced to eat these without being deliberate or malicious, then your Lord is forgiver most merciful. These are the only four dietary prohibitions in the Quran. That when the Prophet was asked regarding what foods are prohibited, he was commanded to say exactly this. That out of all the wahi given to him, all the inspiration, that the only dietary prohibitions that we are to uphold is specifically what's mentioned in this verse. Now, if you consult the Hadith, what do we see here? It says, again, Sahih Hadith, that the eating of donkey meat is prohibited, that the eating of birds of prey is prohibited, that the eating of animals with canine teeth is prohibited. If you go to some of the other Hadith, it'll say that, for instance, the meat of horses and mules is prohibited. Where did these prohibitions come from? Did the Prophet have additional prohibitions beyond what was specified to him by God in the Quran? Was he following some other source? God tells us that had he done that, he would have stopped the revelations to him. He would have cut him by the aorta. No one would have been able to help him. The Prophet had the strictest obligation to obey only what was delivered to him. And to think that he went and prohibited additional things beyond what was specifically inspired to him by God that he had additional prohibitions that contradicted the verses of God in the Quran is absolutely insulting to the Prophet himself. We have a third example, that of the abolition, the wudu. If you look at the Quran, it tells us very clearly what the steps for the ablution are. In Surah 5 verse 6, it says, O you who believe, when you observe the contact per salat, you shall one, wash your faces, Two, wash your arms to the elbows. Three, wipe your heads. Four, wash your feet to the ankles. Very simple. There is four steps. It's not that you have to wash your arms three times, start with your right. You don't have to wash your ears, your nose, your mouth, all this other stuff. Four simple steps. Now go and consult the Hadith. What does it tell you? 
It tells you to wash your nose. It tells you to wash your mouth. It tells you to wash your ears. It tells you to wash your arms, starting with the right. Wash it three times, then the left three times. Wash your toes. Make sure to get in between them. Where did this come from? God gave this direct commandment to the Prophet. It's spelled out for us in the Quran that the ablution is simply four steps. Where did these other steps come from? Who's the one who's authorized to make such an assessment? Who is the one who's authorized to create hadith beside the hadith of God and the Quran? God tells us in Surah 77 verse 50, it says, Which hadith other than this do they uphold? If we think that human beings are authorized to create a hadith next to that of God's creation, then it shows that we're setting up another God beside God. God never authorized these other hadith that people are upholding as religious law next to that of the Quran. To think so is basically taking God up on that challenge to think that humans and jinns can band together to create a Quran like this, to create a hadith like this. We read in Surah 6, verse 112 through 116, it says, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire in each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed, they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. This is literally the humans and the jinns banding together to create hadith. To take God up on his challenge to create a hadith like the one that God has created of this Quran. And it continues. This is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter. To believe such fabrications and accept them and thus expose their real convictions. If a person accepts other hadith beside that of this Quran as religious law, it shows that they do not believe in the hereafter. It shows that they believe there is another God next to God. And it continues in Surah 6 verse 114. It says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hear, the omniscient. And it gives us this dire warning. It says, if you obey the majority of the people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture. They only guess. God gives us this challenge. He tells us, he says, do you think that there's another creator next to that of God? And we all unanimously agree that there's no way there's some other creator independent of God. God asks us, he says, do you think that if all the humans and all the jinns banded together, that they can produce a Quran, a Hadith like that of God's? And hopefully all Muslims agree that this is absolutely never going to happen. Yet how is it that the vast majority of the Muslim Ummah uphold these Hadith beside that of the Quran? This is clearly a sign of lip service, yet their hearts have deviated from the truth. In Surah 39, verse 27, it reads, We have cited for the people every kind of example in this Quran, that they may take heed, 
an Arabic Quran without any ambiguity, that they may be righteous. God cites the example of a man who deals with disputing partners. This is that of Hadith, compared to a man who deals with only one consistent source. This is the Quran. Are they the same? Praise be to God, most of them do not know. So God is giving us this example of individual who's dealing with one partner, that of the Quran, or someone who's dealing with disputing partners, that of Hadith. Because the Hadith not only contradict the Quran, they contradict themselves. And it continues, God is giving us this warning. It says, you, Muhammad, will surely die, just like they will die. On the day of resurrection before your Lord, your people will feud with one another. So God is already letting us know that the supposed followers of the Prophet are going to be feuding with one another regarding these disputes. And it continues, it says, Who is more evil than one who attributes lies to God while disbelieving in the truth that has come to him? Is hell not a just requital for the disbelievers? As for those who promote the truth and believe therein, they are the righteous. They will get everything they wish at their Lord. Such is the reward for the righteous. God remits their sinful works and rewards them generously for their good works. And it asks the most profound question in Surah 39, verse 36. It says, Is God not sufficient for His servant? They frighten you with the idols they set up beside Him. Whomever God sends astray, nothing can guide Him. And whomever God guides, nothing can send Him astray. Is God not Almighty Avenger? And then it comes again with this question. So it started talking about the fact that the Quran is the best hadith, that it's the consistent source, that we shouldn't attribute lies to God. And look at the question that's posed. It says, if you ask them, who created the heavens and the earth? They will say, God. Say, why then did you set up idols beside God? If God willed any adversity for me, can they relieve such an adversity? And if he willed any blessing for me, can they prevent such a blessing? Say, God is sufficient for me. In him the trusters shall trust. So individuals who choose to uphold additional hadith beside that of the Quran are showing that they think they can produce a Quran like that of God created for us. Again, it reads, Say, if all the humans and all the jinns banded together to produce a Quran like this, they can never produce anything like it, no matter how much assistance they lent one another. These endeavors of gathering and creating the Sahih Hadith and upholding this as religious law are showing what's inside their hearts, that they believe that there's some other creator next to that of God, that they believe that the humans gathering together, checking the isna, checking the narration, checking the authenticity, are able to produce a hadith like that of the Quran, are only fooling themselves. The hadith are riddled with contradictions to the Quran. They're riddled with absurdities. They make a mockery out of the religion. They disparage our prophets and our messengers. And they are condemned by God himself in the Quran. It reads in Surah 7, verse 185, it says, Have they not looked at the dominion of the heavens and the earth, and all the things that God has created? Does it ever occur to them 
that the end of their life may be near. Which hadith after this do they believe in? God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please join us on our Discord server. You can find the invite link below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you want to get more information, you can check out QuranicLabs.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.